What's up, guys? Welcome to Conversion Marketing Radio. I am your host, Ben Wilson, and I'm so excited for you to be here today. So the burning question that I have is, how do you grow your business? How do you actually scale something to seven figures or beyond any milestone than what you've had in the past? But how do you do it without burning out? That's the biggest question that I've had because in growing any company, as soon as you start to hit certain growth spurts and, and certain milestones, you start to feel like you've accomplished something, but you burn out along the way too. Luckily, we've got a guest on today, Tristan Wright, who's going to share with us how to do that exact thing. There's other questions we're obviously going to be diving into, but this is one thing that I really want to understand, how he's done it in his own business and how he's helping other businesses to do the same thing. So let's get into this. Welcome to Conversion Marketing Radio, uncovering the secrets of how to convert your dream clients into paying customers. If you're here to learn about maximizing conversions for your business without wasting money on vanity results, consider subscribing to this podcast. And now, here's your host, Ben Wilson. All right, so like I said, guys, I've got Tristan right here today. And uh, Tristan, welcome to Conversion Marketing Radio. Are you excited to share with us what you are sharing with all the other businesses in Australia? I am indeed. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. It's, it's my pleasure. We've actually got someone with an accent on as opposed to myself <laughs> who keeps claiming to be from another country and no accents is, is coming out. So we've got the authenticity coming from you're, you're the one with the accent. I, I'm not. I've got, I've got a neutral accent. <laughs> oh, that's so true. It's so true. So Tristan, you say that you're a small business maven, which I love. I love that name maven. Um, and I want to dive into that just in a, in a second. So you, you, on your site, you've got your small business maven, your coach who helps small business owners who simplify their workload, build confidence as an owner. Uh, yep. To help, them, to help owners become leaders in the business that they need and then reclaim their time back. Uh, that's a huge quality that I want to jump into as well. But fill in a gap, like fill in the gap of this little intro. Like what is something that we should know about you and give us a little glimpse into your personal life. All right. Oh, where, where should we start? We can go for it. We could probably go do the whole, whole podcast interview on, on my backstory. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what it takes, let's do it. Oh, uh, well, I'll, I'll start with a bit of background. I actually um, fell into business by mistake, uh, fell into my first business by mistake. Uh, I'd always, growing up, I'd always played in uh, with concepts of, of small business. Uh, but I was riding along with some friends and uh, riding my push bike and they all, all decided that they, they wanted a uniform. So... I, I got tasked with organising the uniform for, for these friends and I went and did market research. I went and looked, looked for different suppliers and I couldn't actually find anyone that, that met all of our criteria. So me being entrepreneurial decided I'm going to do this myself. So I organised I organized, uh, the clothing for this group of friends. And then from there, I was able to see, oh, there's a gap in the market. And I set up my first business selling, selling sports clothing. Selling, How old were you at the time? I would have been 23. Okay. Yeah, 23, 24. Good age. So, uh, so I worked on it in my spare time for a few years um, and I eventually went full-time on it. And, a push bike, like a, like a cycling, yep. right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, like Lance Armstrong style push bike. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so my, my backstory is that that's, I, I built that business up and 
and, and took that, went full time on that and and went interstate, then international, manufacturing globally, uh, making lots of money on it and uh, losing lots of money, uh, suffering the highs and lows, um, uh, and then eventually selling it before getting into this business. So I've gone the really, really quick version because I know you're going to ask lots of questions and we're going yeah, to dive, we're down gonna dive into this. We're going to so, dive into this for sure. So you've got a background. Uh, what were you doing before that? Believe it or not, I studied engineering. So I studied mech eng um, and industrial design. So I was I was working as a as a product manager. Uh, my last job before I went full time was working as a product manager. So, but I my claim to fame in study was is engineering. So basically, a very analytical design based mindset. So when you started designing clothes. Um, I guess, how long did it transition you from having a job to going full-time on your own? Yeah, so that's a Because this is the first time I, I'd ever run a business and I was making, sorry, run a proper business and, I, and making money, it took, it, it was a, about a two-year period. Um, okay. And I was turning over 350 grand before I went full-time. Um, and I, I, had, I had outsourced staff members working for me. So I was able to deliver uh, without it being working in the business full time. And what actually was the only reason in the, or the main reason in the end was I got made redundant from my day job. And that's where it's like, oh, it's now or never. I've got to make, make my business work. So uh, in the early days, I was probably a bit afraid to go and uh, have that as my sole income. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Let's get into that moment. So you're what, 25 at the time that this is happening. Yep. yep. And your back's up against the wall and you've got a decision to make. What, what kind of starts leading you down the path of entrepreneurship versus maybe going and getting a second job, taking the secure routes? So I, I'd been, like I'd treated it as a hobby beforehand uh, and I'd been dreaming of going full-time, but I didn't actually want to, Going back to a day job, I didn't want to do that because I wanted to control my own destiny and I wanted to control my my workload and and how I was help, helping others in a sense. I didn't want to have my life controlled. And by going back to a day job, um, that wasn't going to happen. So that was uh, sort of what what pushed me to continue on on this journey. So how. At, do you know how long that was from the time that you found out about that decision to the time that you said, okay, you know what? Like this is it. Was there, was it overnight or did it take you weeks, months? It was probably, probably a couple of weeks. Um, and like I'd been thinking about it for a while already. So my wife at the time, so we're now divorced. Was it wasn't too happy. She's very risk adverse. And she was like, why don't you just go and get another job? This is making some some money on the side. You can go make more money uh, in a day job, but that just wasn't me. So when she said that, I was like, no, I, I know I know what I want. And as soon as I realized that, it's like full steam ahead. Really? Okay, so you just jumped in at that point. Once you kind of had that trigger go off, like, okay, the job doesn't seem like the best option any yeah, longer. I, I just needed a push, basically. Okay. I like that. I like that. Cause I think a lot of the times, you know, when 
when we're looking at starting a business or we're looking at, could I actually do this? Sometimes like a good kick in the butt, right? Is a, is the helpful way when you are, you can't just have both options going any longer. You have to make that decision and consciously make it right. Correct. You need to, uh, you need to focus. And so many people, uh, try and multitask or have multiple focuses and achieve too many things at one time. And when you've got multiple focuses, you can't actually get the best out of any of them. And you either do an average job or not, not, not achieve them at all. So if you've got one foot in one camp and one from the other, it's just holding you back. Mm. That's a solid, that's a solid piece of advice right there is, I feel like myself, right? Like I get, I, I've wanted to do so many different things and I still feel this way, right? Like something will come up and it's hard to say no, because sometimes you look at that opportunity and you're like, okay, like I, I could probably squeeze that in. But in reality, it's hard to, it's not about the time. It's like switching gears mentally, right? Cause sure. if you're going in that progression and that momentum, like it's not just one hour a day. It's all the time that's taken to get to that one hour of work. Yep. And the thoughts, um, because even though you're not working, you're thinking about it on your walk to the car and while you're shopping. So chopping and changing all the time just, just uh, leads to inefficiency. So how long did you run this business for? You grew it from the time you're 25 or 23 and then... Yep. So I ended up selling it at uh, 31. So I, I think I just turned 31. So I built it to a point where it was turning over good, good seven figures. I had, had a couple of staff in Australia and I had staff offshore. Uh, but then the Aussie dollar tanked against the US dollar. So Oh, geez. We were, we were buying all of our product in, in, in US dollars. And then over a period of six months, we lost 20%, uh, 20 cents, which was about 25%. And that just got taken out of our margin. Um, wow. Yeah. Never so heard wait, that problem before. That's a huge problem for sure. Wait for it. At the same time, my wife, very similar time, my wife came to me and said, our marriage is over. Oh my gosh. So your two worlds are just crumbling. Yep. So what do you do at this point though? Like, let's take me to this moment. Of, I stuck my head in the sand. Okay. How long? Um, three to six months. Okay. Like, were you depressed? Were you like not doing anything about it? I like Bit of everything. Okay. So um, I didn't. A, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to focus, whether to focus my attention on the business or focus my attention on my personal life, and I didn't know how to talk about it. So I just functioned. I just I didn't progress in any any way, shape, or form for for a few few months. And I eventually woke up. So hot. Looking back at now best thing that ever happened was was separating with my ex-wife like we weren't happy so but at the time and we're both happy now but at the time it was extremely difficult uh so i was trying to deal with my all my personal emotions and i thought i'd set up the business to run without me enough but when i came back into working the business properly i realized i hadn't 
and I was about 200 grand in debt. No way. Okay. So I like, I like this. So now you've got a, a waking up moment, these aha moments. So you're, you're down the dumps for like three to six months. It's actually yeah. relatively short. If you like, I'm thinking about like how short of a time period that really is. So be more for a bit more clarity. Still, I still had ongoing issues to deal with for months and years afterwards, but the t- really tough time was um was that three to six months man i've i've been there i've been there more times than i'd like to right? let's just put it that way yeah. where it's hard to wake up and you don't want to get out of bed and you legit are just staring you're just staring at the ceiling hating your life going like this isn't a person that i like i just don't like me right yeah. i don't like the situation i'm in i've gotten myself into the situation and i don't know what to do to get out of the situation uh, is this what you're feeling at the same time? Too? Like, I want to make sure, like, I'm normal, that these are things that other people have gone through. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much uh, what I was going through at that time. Like, I, I remember uh, not even wanting to, not wanting to leave the house. Um, I, I was driving, I remember one day I was driving and I think I was driving to the office and I had to pull over into a car park, into a park on the road because like I was having a, a panic attack to an extent and I was just crying and I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. So oh my gosh, so you're $200,000 in debt and yeah. okay. That's stressful. That is so <laughs> stressful. I couldn't imagine the, the weight that you're feeling. And now I'm excited to talk about this next part because a lot of people, myself included, like, in fact, there's a whole new podcast that I want to start just about this exact moment, right? The moment that I, I want to talk about right here is like I, I've had a thought about just only talking about this moment where you've hit this rock bottom where something's happened. And like, what is it going to take to, to bring it up? Like, what do you do the next step? Like the tiny little things. Like I want to know like the little things that you did. Obviously, we can talk about like on a grander scale, like, oh, well, I did this. And then, you know, months later I did this. But like, on a daily basis, what did you have to do to pull yourself out of that? Number one, you're the sum of the five closest people to, to you. So start surrounding yourself with people that have got the mindset that you like or that you want, that are achieving the things that you want uh, and have got a positive outlook. So as soon as you start being influenced by the correct, having the correct influences around you, you start changing your habits on a day-to-day basis. Okay. So you, did you start networking with more people at that time? Uh, oh, okay. So business coaches, mentors, uh, psychologists, friends, actually talking to, talking to people rather than just have, putting up the brick wall, spending time uh, communicating thoughts and feelings with people, um, especially people that are one or two steps ahead as well and, and actually opening up about my feelings and emotions and realising that everyone else goes through this and that, I, that everyone is human uh, and that you don't have to hide behind, behind that veil kind of thing. So, Wow, okay. So yeah. how, then what else? Like what else, like what else were you doing to pull yourself out of this? Just trying to achieve little one percenters so not trying to change the world or change my life uh 
in one day or two days, just setting myself little targets and little goals. Um, and initially it was just be going to the office and, and actually go through a normal day or, or do a half day or make sure I go and spend time with friends in the evening. So don't set myself big, big goals because I'll just become overwhelmed and stuck. Just set little goals, whether it's go and have coffee with a friend or talk to my staff and just get an update on what's going on. But break it down into little one, little one percenters, little tiny tasks, not try and achieve everything and change the world overnight. Man, I love that. I Last year in August, my business, I had a business completely just, right? I've been building it for like two years. Um, I've had successes in the past and that was one that I, I'd leapt off a, to do my fully own thing, right? And it just felt like this, like it crumbled, right? Um, and I remember lying in bed, not knowing what to do. And um, I was, I was setting those, like I'd set like such a large goal of what to hit. And so I felt so like the distance between myself and uh, like the goal and then where I was at was so large. And I remember it was like, I was, I just have a small win. And um, so I started making my bed every day. I was like, okay, if it, if everything else goes wrong today, I at least have a nice nice bed to get back into at the end of the day. And I feel good. Like I did, I did one little tiny thing. So it's, I love that you share that. Like the one percenters of what you're doing. It's the little tiny stuff, a half day, right? A normal day. Yeah. And and it might be like you start, you make your bed in the morning and then your next step is go for a walk or, or uh, go and exercise for 20 minutes. So you, you're setting up your morning routine. So you're getting a couple of wins. And as soon as you've got a couple of wins, you've got the endorphins flowing through your body. And then you start to build up other wins after that. So when, you're it, when you were in that moment, did you, I mean, now looking back on it, when you're going on these walks and you're doing those little things, are you, is it still kind of eating at you that you you failed right like you're not like okay well like i'm doing something good like you're like okay like i'm doing more but i'm not doing enough still is that still going through your mind yeah like uh i at the time i didn't know what decision whether i was making the right decisions or the incorrect decisions so i I was having to to trust the people around me as well so uh and, and just realized that it's only a moment in time and that um, that I'll be able to move forward from it. Uh, I sort of didn't have clarity or direction at the time. And once I was starting to be able to build clarity and direction, it allowed me to be able to move forward as well. So clarity was a big factor. And I, I love that you've actually just cut to this. I want to talk more about clarity. Yep. Um, because I know businesses that I've been a part of or entrepreneurs, the ones that have found the success seem to be a so ultra clear on what they are doing. So how do you go from not knowing the next steps to starting to figure out and, and clarifying those steps? It's really interesting because I'm, I'm actually writing a business manifesto at the moment. Um, and as part of that business manifesto, the very first line, uh, sorry, after the table of contents is begin with the end in mind. Okay. So, so being clear on what that is that you're setting out to yeah. do. Yeah. 
So basically, let's basically you say, where do I want to be in three years' time? Let's, I'm just going to use three years as an example. What do I want my business to look like and what do I want my life to look like? So, sorry, what do I want my life to look like first and then my business? And when you so, say life, um, like how specific is that looking? So, uh, family, children, what, how often do I want to be seeing my friends? How often do I want to, how many children do I want? What sort of house do I want to live in? What sort of relationships I want to have? What sort of impact do I want to have on the people around me? Uh, what sort of house I want to live in? What do I want to be doing on a daily basis? Uh, that, that sort of clarity. Okay, so again, the, the better the detail, the better is what you're saying. The more yeah. the detail, the better. Okay. Yeah, because once you've got that, you can then design your business to fit into that. Um, because at the end of the day, your business is a tool um, or your job is a tool to be able to serve how you live your life. So I like hearing that. That's a really fascinating. I've never heard that stated in that regard to that level of your business as a tool for your life. It is because we, we don't live to work. We work to live. Like why, uh, why do we want to live all of our life just purely working if we don't know what our, the impact we're, we're having is? Uh, and you think about it, so many people on their deathbed say, uh, give one piece of advice and it is to live life now, live in the present, um, live your future now. So what are the things that I guess here's where I'm at is looking at how much, what do you think holds people back in being decisive about that. I, I've, I've struggled with this in the past where I, I feel almost scared to share exactly what those details are because it's almost like projecting the life that you want and if it doesn't come true, it's like you didn't reach that goal that you really wanted. So how do you overcome that and uh, get ultra specific and allow yourself to get that specific in the same so that, time? It's, that's interesting. It's going to be different for different people, but nine times out of 10, it's going to come back to, to something that's happened in your past um, and that you've been judged on, on, the, on something that you've shared in your past and it's had a negative impact on you. So we, you would almost need to go back and, and explore what, what's happened in the past and work out whether this is a false belief or a, posi or, or a positive belief and then, then work through, through these these limiting beliefs mm -hmm. and then, then discuss why you're wanting to move forward and why you're wanting to take these actions and what, what would be the outcome if, if you do or don't achieve them and does it actually matter if you don't achieve them as well? No, and I, I ask that because um, I hear so often, right? It's like it's a very cliche statement of like, okay, well, you just got to like think – and then all of a sudden your life will be there. But I'm like, let's, I want to get into these details because okay. a lot of times that's, the level. Details, right? so that, that's sort of like manifestation. Mm -hmm. So if you keep, keep repeating to yourself, uh, a, a saying that's your man, that's manifesting. Um, and potentially 
eventually you'll start believing that. But you've got, we've got to dig deep into the next level uh, and provide evidence, um, positive or for or against that manifestation. Um, is it more likely to happen or less likely to happen? Or what's the evidence that this belief is true or this belief is not true? And once you dig deep, deep into the for and against, that's when you can start being able to move forward and it's more than just this hoo-ha kind of stuff. No, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. I was looking at your your Facebook page. Um, it's called Evolve to Grow. You guys need to go sh- check it out. I'm going to have a link in the show notes. But uh, I was looking through some of your posts and one of the posts had talked about writing down your, uh, was it your goals? Let me go back through. Yeah, probably something about having having goals um, at, because that once you have your end goal in mind or the end in mind, you then break it down into goals and then, then strategies and tactics. Oh, getting it out of your head. You, you were talking about your anxieties, right? You got to get it down because of your, you're getting it. These what ifs. Um, yeah. I like that you've, you've talked about that, right? And you're sharing this with people because that is a strategy that I think a lot of us, we don't get it out of our head. We just leave it in there and it rattles around like an empty container with like a little marble, right? And you know that sound in like a metal container. It's like ding, 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 ding. It's like this anxiety ball is rolling around your head and uh, you can't quite control it. You move your head, it, it rolls over and makes another ding. Um, and so getting it out onto paper, I, yep. I like the way that you phrase this. It says, uh, there is no... They, there's no, or fear has no place in the paper. Um, I really like, it hit me. Like I was, I was scrolling through all your stuff and I thought that right there, I want to talk just a little bit about that. Fear has no place in the paper. What kind of experience have you had specifically with that? It, and was that related to what you've had in the past or your experience in the past? Yeah, it's, um, it, it's interesting because in, in your head, you, you, um, you're either manifesting positively or negatively kind of thing. And unfortunately, we're, we end up being wired to manifest things predominantly in a, negative, uh, in a negative sense and make things worse than what they actually are because we, we come up with, with something and like we think about all the different scenarios. But then if you write that thing down on a piece of paper, you look at it and it's like, Oh, this is actually what's happening, uh, the, and it's not. You're not actually judging or manifesting it now. That's on the piece of paper, and then you spend time writing the pros and the cons against it, and then you're like, "Oh, these are. This is the evidence that this will happen, and this is the evidence that won't happen." And that allows you to either work out if you need to spend more time on it, or if you can move on. Because a lot of the time we make up false evidence in our head. Yeah, we don't get it down. So it's just like it builds on top of each other as opposed to canceling it out or it just seems like it just adds up, right? Yep. Yeah, it's catastrophizing. Catastrophizing. That's a good word. I like that. So with uh, I'm going to kind of scroll back a bit. So we've got – we're going – where I want to jump back to this moment. So you've you've – are building up your confidence. Uh, you are starting to move forward in your days. How long after uh, that situation or that that time that like let's say like that three to six months that you're fully just 
feels like everything in your life has ended or has come to a close. You're starting to pick yourself back up. What are the next steps that you're doing? Uh, so at the, at, at the time, I, I sort of came to the realization that um, I that I needed to do something else in the business, and the I wasn't uh, I wasn't challenging myself enough in the business. So I I set myself a goal that I needed to be able to exit the business in a couple of years' time, so I could actually be uh, using my skill sets to their full potential. So uh, I, I was only I felt like I was a, a Ferrari in in second gear kind of thing. So once I got my mojo back, um, I realized I wasn't I wasn't necessarily using my skills to the full ability. So I set myself a goal that I needed to to get out of the business um, and and move on to something else. I didn't know what that something else was. So basically I, I went about designing the business in a way that it was systematized and that it didn't need me on a day-to-day basis other than, other than converting clients and putting them into the system. So I spent time on that and I eventually ended up getting a sales manager to do that stage as well. So, uh, so I, I systematized it to the point where I just needed to look at the finances and that allowed me to then move on from the business. Wow. And so during that time, how do you keep your interest in knowing that you're going to exit, knowing that uh, this isn't the thing that you are ultimately passionate about any longer? How do you still remain focused in building that business to the point that you can sell it? Um, so it took, it took time for me to actually realize that I was going to sell it. So I was systematizing it initially because um, I didn't want to have a repeat of what had happened previously. So I, I still had, and whilst, whilst systematizing the business, I realized that I, I was capable of more. So, and I realized I needed to be able to prove that I needed to actually be able to sell the business. So uh, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue. Um, keeping keeping that focus there because at the end of the day I had had staff and people that were reliant on me and I needed to to provide for them as well so uh, I I was just treating it as a challenge to, to better myself I guess got it okay so your accountability is coming from your clients and your your uh, your employees your workers right yeah. um, and then did you fully, like, had you fully made the decision, this is like, I'm going to sell it either at a certain price or a certain date. Was there a goal that you were trying to hit or did you just know that eventually you were going to sell it? Uh, I'd love to say there was a, there was a black and white goal because that's what, what that's best practice, but no, there wasn't. It was, um, I just knew that it had to happen. Got it. So, okay. Yeah. So then the next thing you jump into, how long, I guess, from from that time to the time that you sell it. You say you sold it at 31, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's like there's this about a six-month period of negotiation. So that's why like it was 30, 31 kind of thing because there's, there's always, when you're selling business, there's always a negotiation period going back and forward. There look, yeah, it, there's definitely a lot going on there. So now with this next thing, what do you, what do you go into next? Is it the business that you're currently doing? Uh, I 
took some spare time. Oh, so, sorry, I took some time off okay. uh, first. So, uh, and I, I played a bit uh, in the outsourcing world because I'd done a lot of outsourcing and people wanted help with, with outsourcing. So setting up offices offshore in the Philippines uh, or Vietnam or Indonesia. Uh, but that, that didn't necessarily uh, float my boat fully uh, and what I realized is people were outsourcing a lot of the time as, as a band-aid fix so okay. I quite quickly realized that and thought hang on I've got all these skills to help them with more than a band-aid why don't I why don't I, uh, I train them and give them the immunization first so that they don't need the band-aid in the in the future uh, or, or they can choose choose it so so basically I pivoted to be able to help business owners so they wouldn't have to, to, to deal with injuries in the future. And how long does it take you to figure out this next business? Like, so you, you start it or you start working on some stuff. Is there an aha moment that you have where you realize like, okay, I've got a skill set. What kind of things can I start to offer for companies to realize that I have these skill sets? Probably when I was in Croatia on holiday, um, I was, I was like, uh, I was talking to Aaron, my, my new partner, uh, and just about we were doing almost like a SWOT analysis on myself, what my strengths and weaknesses were and, and all of that. And it just, from there, it, just, it was just like, yeah, well, I actually do have a bit of experience building business and, and, uh, and working out what works and what doesn't work. And I always help, wanted to help others. So it just made, made sense from there. Okay, that makes a lot of, so you're in Croatia. So you're saying travel has got something to do with it, right? Being yeah. outside of your environment and a new experience. So I've actually got a rule with any of my clients I work one-on-one with that every 90 days that they have to switch off from their business for five days fully. So, so they can actually have time to recharge their batteries and think about what's going on in life, what's going on in business and to refocus so uh, that's sort of like when I was in Croatia, that was an extended version of, of this 90-day uh, recharge thing that I use. A 90-day recharge. So now that you've, you've started to talk more about it, it's called Evolve to Grow. Is that right? Yep. yep. Explain, explain what is it that you're doing with Evolve to Grow? So in, in essence, uh, it was born out of need from, from what I was going through. There's so many business owners that hit a glass ceiling in their business and they, they're not sure what, what their next steps are. Like they're, they're very good technically at what they do, but maybe not their business acumen isn't, isn't perfect. So my, my end goal is to give business owners uh, time and freedom now. So what I mean by time and freedom is that they're, business can operate in a sense that they can have their evenings and weekends uh, and not have, to, not have to have the stress of the business but also being paid what they deserve. So effectively, I work with the business or Evolve to Grow works with the businesses to be able to break through the glass ceiling or where they're stuck in business to get to that next level so that they can have time and freedom. What are some common areas that you look for? You jump into a new business and are there, is there like a list of things that you just know businesses don't have already that you can start to get some low hanging fruit out of the way? Ah, yeah. Um, 
every, every, every business is different. Um, but a lot of business owners take control of everything themselves and, and fail to, to, I guess, delegate work. So uh, they end up working 60 and 70 hour weeks whilst, whilst their staff uh, are being yes men. So, uh, and what they try and do is the business owners will try and put position descriptions in place and keep them accountable. But that's where they're going wrong in the very first place. They should be teaching leadership over accountability because if you're giving, giving your staff the uh, ability to lead up and to lead down, they're going to be responsible for all the actions that they t- take and you won't need to keep them accountable. Okay, so having employee accountability is one thing, right? That's, that's what typically a business owner will do, but that's, that's only going to get you so far. You need okay. to have employee, employee leadership. So leadership. You, you want people to take ownership of, of everything that they do um, and to be engaged with the, with the business's vision and mission. And if they're engaged with that, they'll take ownership and lead up and come, come back to you as the owner and say, hey, this is what I'm working on. Is this correct? Or um, this is my thought process. Rather than you having to go lead down to them and say, you must do this or must do that. So, so it's about... Oh, go on, go on. Sorry. I was just apologize. saying it's about creating a culture of, uh, of ownership within the business, which because um, so many businesses, the, the business owner owns everything and it's internalized within within them so i'm talking about businesses up to about about 10 million in revenue where they don't have a general manager yet kind of thing so okay so yeah there's businesses between what one to 10 uh, is who you're working with yeah so i work the smaller businesses i work with are one and two man bands and up to about 25 people okay and what are some of the we talked about false beliefs a little earlier on. What are some of the false beliefs that you seem that are pretty common with business owners in that area? <laughs> the best one is this is how we've always invoiced and this is how the industry invoices. So we have to do it this way. IE invoice on 30 day terms. And I say, okay. Oh, well, if you want to work with me, you have to pay me two months in advance and it's direct debit. And you're a six-month contract, so so every client that works with me, they pay me. Two, they're always two months in advance. So basically, I'm breaking all the rules in the industry, or in and I, I say these are my rules. I know my unique value proposition. I know I can help you. And if I waste my time chasing you for an invoice, that that's me um, spending time doing that rather than being able to help you. So take it or leave it. These are the rules. And basically, I know it's easier said than done, but so many, especially in the, in the digital space, so many businesses uh, invoice on 7, 14, 30-day terms where they should be uh, setting up direct debit or getting payment in advance. Yeah, it blows my mind. I, my brother taught me a valuable lesson. He says, you're a parking meter, right? The parking meter doesn't work until you put money in it. And that, as soon as you've got that, right, then now you're working. But that's it. It doesn't yep. work until you've got money running in the meter. Um, what are some of the areas that you get a lot of kickback on that you know, let's say that like 
there are areas that you've seen work very, very well, right? Where, uh, whether it's on your own experience in your own business or helping other businesses. But when you go into a new business, it seems like there's a common area you get kicked back on. Does that happen a lot? Or is uh, one area that you're seeing, hey, I, I know this works, but I get kicked back on this one thing. All right, so every business likes to think their customer will bespoke uh, and that they can't productize their offer. So they're like, our business is too complex. We can't put systems in place. We can't, we can't productize our offer. And what I'm going to say is that's, am I allowed to swear? By all means. <laughs> what I'm going to say is that's bullshit. It's just um, the business owner having limiting beliefs around the fact uh, that, they, that their business is too complex to be productized or systematized. Any business can be productized or systematized. You just have to put in the effort and, and think outside the box. And as soon as you can do that, you're going to be able to grow and scale your business and work less. So when you're saying to productize an offer, are you saying to develop an offer that they are presenting to their customers or break that down exactly when you say that? Yeah, I'll use a, um, I'll, I'll use a web design agency, for instance. So the, the, the building websites, uh, you need to productize it and have a, have a $2,000 offer, a $5,000 offer, a $10,000 offer, okay. uh, for instance. And you, so then that, that way you've then got a, a, a proposal um, and a, a menu for your $2,000 offer, a menu for your $5,000 offer, and a menu for your $10,000 offer. Uh, and you know what's included and what's not included rather than every single time uh, you, you do you do a four, $4,500 proposal and the next one a $5,500 proposal. You're wasting time creating new proposals that are 85% the same. Okay. So productizing your offerings of what you have for your Now, I've got a lot of, um, seems like I've, there's a, a good amount of listeners on this podcast of who are like coaches and consultants. Um, yep. What do they do? How do you, let's say uh, someone's like a marketing coach or marketing consultant, what kind of packages or products would you look at for them uh, when the types of businesses that they're working with might all be very different? Sure. So um, first of all, they need to niche down into their target client. So they shouldn't be working with different business types. They should be, uh, if they want, <clears throat> if a business wants to scale, you need to have a consistent message, um, i.e. I work with business owners that are, that are turning, o- turning over between one and $3 million that are in the B2B service-based industry uh, that service the, these type of clients. They need to be specific on, on who their end client is and then that way they can become a subject matter authority in that area uh, and then that allows them to productize to that niche. So once they start, they figure out who their target audience is. I, I'm a huge believer. You got to know who you serve before you tell them what you are doing. It's a big belief. And then the second part you're saying is to, uh, how, I guess, how do you then start developing packages? Do you start looking work at out, what kind of work out the end in mind? You work okay. and go using, I call it the ultimate objective ladder work. Um, so work, what's your end goal? Your end goal is you're servicing these people and what outcome do you want when you're servicing these people or these businesses? So before you design your package, you need to work out what do you want them to achieve? 
Um, what are they going to achieve in three months' time, six months' time, or 12 months' time, or after they've gone through your, your package that you're selling them? So you now know who your end client is and what their end outcome is going to be. Then you reverse engineer it and work out, to get to that, what do you need to deliver? Okay, yeah, because deliverables, that's what, I, at the end of the day, right, businesses want to know what are they getting when they pay you? What do mm. they have? Um, for those who are starting out, what would you suggest for those types of people who are looking at going, you know, I want to jump into this area, but I'm not quite sure what I can offer or uh, even what that end goal looks like because I'm unsure. What would you suggest to those people? Market research. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you've actually got to work out if there's a, if there's a real need for your offer. So, uh, so put in place a, a bunch of questions uh, and asking, so you, you're going to have it, typically you're going to have a very loose idea of what you want to do. So uh, put in place a bunch of questions and, and then go out on to Facebook, to, uh, to Reddit, wherever, and, and get ask people to fill in your survey. And then once you've, uh, and your email list, um, and then once people have filled in that survey, you're going to have more information to be able to make your decision from. Okay, so you're saying actually go test the market, go ask that, those questions. Do you reach out to mentors? And if so, like how do you find mentors in the space? So it's always best to, to reach out to people uh, one, two, three steps ahead of you. So uh, I, the way I do it, I, I connect with people on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I'll reach out to them and say, hey, this is me. This is what I'm doing. Love um, seeing what you've been doing, I'd love to get some of your feedback. Uh, or I, I find someone that's a mutual connection and ask for an introduction. So you'd be surprised. If, if you go to someone asking for help, you'd be surprised at how, how much they're going to give back some of their free time to, to assist you on your journey. Really? Is there a certain method that you've found that people are willing to actually help you and, and, and give you that feedback as opposed to feeling like you're just coming at them asking for help without giving any value in the first place. Ask, ask them a question that, um, that you can't find the answer to if you do your own research. That's solid. That is gold right there. Ask a question that they, that you can't find the answer to that you think they might know the answer to. Correct. Cause like, for instance, if you're going to ask me a question, um, to about something that you could have found online doing your own research. I'm just going to think you're lazy and I'm going to be like, why, why do I want to give feedback or why do I want to help this guy if he's lazy? But if you ask me a question uh, about something that I, I don't think you can find online or by uh, reading books, um, then I'm going to give you support. Okay. So you think, uh, there has to be real intent behind your questions. So you have, rather than just being, hey, I need help defining my target market, I'm going to be like, oh, here's a few books, go on Udemy or something, learn how to do it, then come back to me. I'll help you narrow it down. Got it. Okay, so having the intent behind it, uh, when you first send out some of these posts to people, are you making them long? Are you doing an introduction? And 
or are you keeping it short and seeing if they're going to respond to you in the first place? So in, in terms of surveys or? Uh, let's say for like mentorship. Yeah. Oh, got you, got you, got you. Um, how am I doing it? So, Or have you done it in the past and found success yeah, yeah. in a certain method? So um, it's interesting. So my mentor last year said to me that I need to start hanging around more 10-figure, sorry, um, nine-figure business owners. Uh, and I, I said to, um, I, I just started saying to my friends, do you know any nine-figure business owners? And one of them said, oh, by the way, here's a nine-figure business owner. Um, I reckon you guys would get along really well. So uh, I got introduced to him and he, he said to me in our very first conversation, I need to hang around billionaires. Do you know any billionaires? Uh. And I'm like, fancy you should mention that. <laughs> the next time we met, my, my billionaire friend walked past and I introduced them and now they're doing business together. Oh, that's so, awesome. So it's just putting it out. Like, so basically the way I do it is I, I say, this is what I need. Um, do, you, do you know anyone kind of thing? And I ran out to my network and I was able to, the person I needed help from needed help from someone else and um, I was able to introduce the two of them. That's fantastic. So the law of attraction really is a, is a powerful play here is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, totally. Um, there also needs to be uh, an equal, equal and equitable transaction of value. If you're giving out value, you need to ask, get value back too. Just getting, yeah, I, I fully believe that. I think the people who are delivering value will get value back, right? But the people who are constantly wanting value and never giving it, they don't even get that value, right? Like the selfishness stays selfish and, and Correct. it anywhere. Yeah, um, yeah. So with the types of businesses that you're currently helping, who fits your best mold? Who's your target audience that, you're, that you really help and uh, how do you specifically help them do it? All right. So I'm going to give you my ideal avatar. Yes. So, uh, her, her name is Joanna, believe it or not. She's okay. even got a name. So uh, she's between, probably between 30 and 40. She's got a, a digital marketing or creative-based business. So uh, it might be a web, web business. It might be an architecture business. But it's some form of creativity she's a business to business uh service service based business owner probably got about five or six staff and she's had a lot of initial success in her business but she's got to the point that uh she's working long hours and all the responsibilities on her shoulder on her shoulders and she wants to uh start reaping the benefits or the rewards from all of the hard work so uh, her, she's seeing all of her clients doing really well, but not necessarily. She wants to spend more time with her friends and family. So basically, what I do is I come come in and work with her to find out exactly where where she wants to get in business and where she wants to get in life, and then reverse engineer how to get there. So. That's a, when, yeah, when you go sure. and you help companies, are you, do you have a package, like a one standardized package, and then regardless of time it takes to get there, or have you systematized it to take on certain types of clients that allow you to, I guess, you don't get burnt out helping their yeah. problems? Totally. So um, I've, got, I've got two separate offers. I've got one-on-one -on -one coaching, 
and there's a small, medium and large package in it. And then I've got, uh, and then I've got the content and framework behind that. And then on the other end of the scale, I've got the group coaching slash mastermind program that uses the same, same framework, but in a, it's delivered in a group format. And the benefit of that is you get the power of networks as well. Mm. When you first started, what, was, what did that look like? When you were first setting out, did you have people pay for it or did you have people, did you start testing out if your concepts worked? Or I guess, what did it look like for your standpoint? So what, can you rephrase the question for me in a different way just so I understand it totally? Oh, absolutely. So when you were first starting to put together packages, whether it was one-on-one or your mastermind, um, were you putting out free work? Like, did you do free work for businesses or did you know right away what you were doing and what you were going to charge for it, how long it was going to take? All, all of the above. Um, everything's continually evolving, hence the business name evolved to grow. Okay. Because uh, if you're not evolving, you're moving backwards. So uh, in the early days, I signed a few, few business owners up to three months free package as long as I could do a case study with them. And I got the case studies and most two of those three business owners are still working with me today. Um, and we're continually growing their business. I had a few clients that I had on, on small packages, a few clients on large packages, but one client I'd charge 1,000, next client I'd charge 3,000, another client I'd charge 6,000 a month, and I didn't have any standardized offers. So, um, because there's a new business, and I, with a new business, you want to, naturally, you want to take whatever you get, which is not necessarily the best concept, but sometimes, um, it's reality, but where the business is now, it's got a small, medium, large offering for one-on-one and then the, the, the big mastermind offering. I love that you've, you've, it, it has evolved, right? It has grown into something and then you can look back on it and realize, okay, there's a lot of the people who are listening in, right? Maybe in that stage that you were in at one point, right? Where you're like, I don't know if I'm going to charge a thousand dollars. I don't know if I'm going to charge three thousand. But then they start to question themselves, like, okay, but if I do that, like, am I ever going to fix it? Am I ever going to change it? Can I get to that point, or should I get to that point? Um, and so, what were some of the key elements that you like? Were there aha moments that you realized, okay, I should make a package, and the package should be charged uh, X amount, and being confident that that was the right amount for that amount of time or that coaching so you've got to actually work out what value that you're bringing to the market so many people deliver uh value they coach they consult to people but they never do customer feedback so they don't go and get feedback from the customer after one month two months three months to actually work out did, you, did I over-deliver or under-deliver? Was it good value for money? Was it too expensive or too cheap? Because it's natural for, for people to, to undersell themselves. So I've had a lot of clients that have been charging, let's say, $1,000, where they, someone else, just because of the way they present themselves, will charge, charge $5,000 for the exact same thing. And people are still getting value out of that $5,000. It's just that person has got... Uh, a lot more confidence. They don't have mindset issues around that. So that come. So I do end up doing a lot of work around mindset and limiting beliefs around what what their work a person is worth and what their offer is worth. 
Man, that's amazing. So cause that client feedback is crucial for that. I think myself, there's been times where it's, you're afraid, you're afraid to find out. You're like, well, you know, you really did do a good job. But at the same time, I think you can also then from there win that customer back over, right? Yeah. So basically, if you don't get feedback, it's just slowing your learning process. And it means that you're not able to offer more value to the next person or the person after. That's so true. I think there's a fear, right? It's a fear of, of, it's almost like it goes back to school. The feedback you get on an assignment, it's like, oh, well, that was an F. And you're like, oh, I'm a failure. But it's really not, right? If you can change your belief that that feedback doesn't determine you, it just means that they're not feeling something, right? That you've either promised or didn't deliver on, or they just didn't expect something to happen the way that it did and and didn't go that way. Um, So tell me this. I'm, I'm curious to find out the question at the very beginning. How does a business grow their company to new milestones, new, new areas and not be burnt out? Right? How do they reclaim their life and avoid that burnout as they're hitting new milestones? It's, it's quite simp- simply clarity, knowing exactly what you want to achieve and then actually setting in place milestones and uh, goals and then strategies and then tactics. So basically why, what, I, what I've got is the ultimate objective ladder. So you start out, uh, you've you work out what your vision is, then you do an analysis to work out if, if that vision, mission, goal is actually achievable, why it's achievable, why it's not achievable. Then you put in place your strategy uh, on, how, on what you need to do to get there. Then you create an action plan. Uh, so actually how you're going to execute on that. Then you need to set in place boundaries. Every three months you need to, sit back, evaluate and analyze and work out if you need to pivot. And then you go through that loop of um, executing, execution plan, analyzing, execution plan, analyzing and reviewing, and then you get to your goal. So basically it it creates a a step-by-step ladder to be able to get to that goal and you need to be able to take that time back to analyze and see if you need to pivot and move ongoing. And... With the companies that you work with, do you, is that a natural thing that they can just build into their schedule or is that something that you might get a lot of kickback on because they're not sure exactly where to find the time, I guess, right? They already don't have time and now they, now they have to stop what they're doing to do this additional task. So if the need or is greater than the pain that they're currently suffering, they'll do it. So when I say the pain that they're currently suffering, how they feel currently, if, um, if they're comfortable where they are now, why would you change? But if you're, if you're uncomfortable, doesn't matter how uncomfortable you are, you know you need to change. So if someone's not ready to change, they're not going to do it. That's very true. That is very true. You just can't get them to change unless they want to do it. I heard a, there's a funny interaction. There was a comedian by the name of Tom Segura. He was like a, a bigger guy and he lost a lot of weight. And someone, a lot of people started reaching out to him. They're like, hey, Tom, can you coach me on like how to lose weight? And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm not a fitness coach. 
she's just a comedian that lost a whole bunch of weight. And then one day he got this question that was like, well, how did you do it? And he's like, well, one day I just woke up and I looked myself in the mirror and I realized I, I just, I hated myself so badly that there was nothing else that I wanted to do besides change that person. And so as soon as you figure out that you hate yourself so badly or if you want to do that thing so badly, you'll start to change. But you won't do it until you are looking at yourself in the mirror or at that moment to change. Correct. You've got to, you've got to have a reason, a purpose for wanting to do it. So that's why I go, keep going back to start with the end in mind. If you don't have an end goal in mind, you're not going to change. So, or you're not going to be able to improve. No, that's solid advice. So as we're wrapping up here, what are some of the things that I've got a couple questions here that I like to go into like a rapid fire moment so we can learn just a little bit more about you. And also, uh, I mean, these answers can be two seconds long. You can take it wherever you want to go. But uh, the first question is, what is the best advice you've ever received? Ah, that's a good one. Uh, I don't know if it's the best advice, but some really solid advice is surround yourself with people that you want to be like. I love that. I love that. Uh, what is a personal habit that contributes to your success? Personal exercise, physical exercise. Fantastic. Any go-to internet tools that you just couldn't live without? Um, I'm using Fiverr a lot at the moment, believe it or not. Really? So, uh yeah, I've, I'm finding some really good contractors on Fiverr. That's amazing. I'll have to check out what Fiverr's got to offer these days. Yeah, uh, like it's, got, it's had a bad rap for the last few years, but I'm, I'm starting to find some really good contractors there. Are, they've upped the prices from $5 now, right? So that's oh, yeah, kind of where yeah. they've gone from. Yeah, there's contracts up to $5,000 kind of thing. So it's, a, it's just a, a way to find specialized contractors for, for projects. That's awesome. I love that. I'll, I'll, I definitely got to go back to, to Fiverr. Uh, what book would you recommend that changed your life or your business? Ah, there's a few good books. Uh, there's David Goggins can't hurt me. That was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Did you listen really to good. it? Yeah. I, I use audio books. So, uh, um, and then there is, uh, books by life. Uh, I can't remember. The, the, it's Extreme Ownership and The Dichotomy of Leadership are the two books. Um, I'll just check on, on my order, on my phone the, the authors. So uh, give me a second. Is uh, a Rick and Leif Babin are the, are the authors. So Extreme Ownership and Dichotomy of Leadership. I love that. I love that. Um, and what are you most excited about now? Well, in six weeks, I'm going to be dad. Congratulations. That's exciting stuff, man. Thank you very much. Really awesome. Boy or girl? Boy. Boy, that's awesome. Well, that is fantastic. So in wrapping up, the last thing, uh, there's, there's two last questions. What is the best way to connect with you uh, for people who want to learn more about you and what you uh, have to do? Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn at Tristan Wright or website evolvetogrow.com.au. .au. Don't forget those people who are in America, .au comes after the .com. Correct. And then the last question, what is your final words of advice that you want to leave for those who are listening in today? Don't think about what you can't do. Think about what you can do. Good hell. Okay. 
that was the best way to, to finish this off. Uh, Tristan, it has been amazing having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, it was fun being, it was like night here and morning there in Australia and uh, learning all about your business and how you actually help business owners to reclaim their life, to, to really focus on the things that matter, right? Not just in business, but I love how you'd also phrase it to, uh, you build the business as a tool for yes. your life. So thanks again for having or coming on the show. Uh, I really enjoyed having you on. Pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. It really means a lot to me. If you found today's episode useful for your mindset, your business, your career, or just your personal life, I'd love it if you shared it with someone else who you thought could greatly benefit from the message. It'd mean a lot to me and hopefully it'd mean a lot to them too.